So I don't know exactly how you're feeling about church online at this point. Um, my sense is that we have been doing this long enough to be settled into some routines and those routines may be unhealthy they may be not helpful uh, when it comes to uh, really getting ready to come before Jesus Christ and uh, if that is the case if you are having trouble at home being able to get to the point where you can like plug in with what is happening here uh, if you are having trouble dealing with this kind of gear shift from what happens in the rest of your morning and maybe maybe you're not even listening to this live maybe when you hear this it's Tuesday afternoon uh, I get the fact that because we are not doing this thing the way we have done it for literally generations there are some things that we might have kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater in it. And what I mean by that is this. What? Have you never heard that statement? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, am I that old? Um, yes, I am. But uh, this thing that we do here at my house on Sunday morning in preparation for this right now uh, takes a lot of time to prepare. I mean, I'm up at about 5.30 in the morning, get the head shaved so that it gleams nicely on camera. Um, but, but beyond that, I mean, I'm up, I have my quiet time in the morning, and then people start getting here around 8.30 to start doing all the setup. And then we run through everything, and we make sure that everything's working right, and then we stop, and we have a time of prayer. Why? Because... It is very easy to get stuck in the physical and dismiss the fact that God is doing things in us spiritually. And so if that has been your difficulty, and even maybe you're coming to this immediately after just making the coffee and rolling out of bed, and you're with us now, and you're like, possibly the reason you're having difficulty dealing with with church this way is because you stopped doing the things that helped you do church the other way, which is get up, get a shower, get prepared, maybe put some crazy idea, maybe put some worship music on so it begins to prepare your heart for going to church. And because we're not going to church now, we give ourselves permission to not do all of those things that get us mentally ready. And I got to tell you this, I know for me, I cannot be mentally ready for something or even spiritually remotely ready if I'm not physically ready for it. And so there's things that are part of the preparation process that are actually far more important maybe than we've ever given credit to it. So I, I want you to just join us in this time right now and understand that we are dealing with some very different things and we don't deal well with different, okay? Uh, so as we are jumping in this morning, I do want you to uh, just begin to try to deal with this, okay? Uh, grab your Bibles. We are going to be, where are we going to be? 
That is the wrong week. I got to get the right thing up here. Sorry, guys. Um, that's the one. I know, right? It's terrible. There we go. You go away. That's the one I want. Yes. All right. So we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 12 looking. Yeah, I know, right? Some of you have been dealing with Romans chapter 2. If you've been going through your discipleship and maybe it was a month or so ago that you were in that passage and it's just like, oh, get ready for God's fire hose because there's so much in this passage. You will not be able to process it all. You will not be able to drink it all in just because we read it this morning. So um, if you've been dealing with that in discipleship, if you've processed that, great. Deal with it again because there's, there's so much here. If you haven't, please understand, I want you to be studying God's word this week and getting into this passage and, and seeing what's before it, what's after it, because there's so much in here. And as we've been talking, as we started last week looking, and I only gave you one instruction last week in this whole idea of stepping in it. What does that mean for us to be able to have real conversations, not politically correct conversations, because, man, when we have the same conversation that everybody's okay with, none of us grow, none of us are able to move forward, none of us are able to deal with things inside of ourselves that may be not in line with God's word. And so we have to learn the skills that I think we have, as a culture, nearly completely lost. So we can honor each other enough to have conversations where we disagree and still come away from it loving each other and at a deeper level of unity than we were when we started. Not a greater level of division, but a deeper level of unity. And so last week, my first step of instruction for you when we're looking at this world where it feels like everywhere we go, we're stepping on landmines and somebody's going to blow up in our face. It still amazes me that every single time we post something, somebody online is trolling like, where's your mask? Like, I'm at home. Leave me alone. Because there's, I can't even do things privately anymore without somebody being offended by those things. So how do we navigate that? Do we just tell people they're stupid and leave us alone? Or do we actually engage in relationship? I think it's the latter, and I think... We need to learn some things that Scripture is going to teach us. And the first one that we talked about at the very end of last week was this. Choose humility. We have to begin as Christians. Now, here's this is the caveat that I need to make sure that everybody's very aware of. I am not giving you this instruction so you can give it to other people. This is God's word for us who believe who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, who have turned our lives over to him. And I say, I am a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ by my own choice because he gave everything for me, all I can do. And it doesn't come close to paying back what he did. But all I can do in right response to that is give my life entirely to him. So that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to you from Scripture. This is God's word for you. This is not something I want you to go around and say, well, Pastor Dusty said you should do this. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is this. The word says that I should. I want you to apply it that way. And not just I should, but now I'm turning it into I will. And I'm going to practice this thing. And here's the, the other piece of that. I don't care if you disagree with it or not. This is God's word. And so if you are having trouble 
then there's a submission issue between you and God. And I want you to deal with those things. God wants you to deal with those things. But we have to start by choosing humility. That's a posture of learning. Do I know everything? No, I, I don't. Do I think I know all the things I think? I think I do. I just use think nine times in that one sentence. But man, if I am okay with all that I have right now, I'm going to make every decision from here on up based only on what I know, then I am not in the position of a student, of a learner. And if I'm going to engage in conversations with people who will disagree with me, if I'm going to do that as a Christ follower, I have to put aside my own defense. I literally have to put my fists down. Because, I mean, maybe not literally, but even verbally, I'm not going to come back at you. I'm going to listen and I'm going to choose to give away the last word. These things are what we talked about at the end of last week. And this idea of choosing to give away the last word is a very difficult one for me. Um, I've said it many times before. It's something that God has done a tremendous work in me. Um, but I love to have the last word. <laughs> and God has been working on me to say, you know what? Choose humility and let somebody else have the last word. Don't have to defend everything you've already thought or said. Speak the truth as I have revealed it to you. And then, this is a crazy idea. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do work in somebody's life that disagrees with me. So we're going to jump in. Romans chapter 12 verse 4 starts this way. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has special functions, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So what Jesus is going into here, uh, er, not Jesus, sorry, uh, what the apostle is walking us through here is this difficult thing that the early church was dealing with. How do I as an individual become part of a body of believers? That is a real and very difficult process and it doesn't happen overnight though from a judicial point of view the ruling has been made if I have accepted Jesus Christ I am part of his body his church that doesn't mean I'm good at it yet <laughs> and so scripture is replete with instruction on how to do that how to practice that and so this instruction, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And man, this does not jive with a lot of American think that I'm an individual. But that is inconsequential to the truth of Scripture. So no, the step number two is this. Understand and value our Holy Spirit connectedness. You see, we don't come into this body of Christ just because it's a club and we sign some thing and now we're part of the team. That's not how this works. This works because if we are actually going to be the body of Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit is at work in each one of us individually, doing specific things in each one of us. To not keep us as individuals, but to bring us into a unified body, into being the bride of Christ. That when Jesus looks at us as the church, he can go, 
oh, my wife is beautiful. That's what we want, right? I mean, as far as being the church, (laughs) the reason we name the church my church is because I want Jesus to be able to look at us and go, that is my church. I love her. She's beautiful. I want that. I, I want Jesus to look at us with this, wow, man, God, thank you for my bride. Thank you that you have been doing work. This is wonderful. I, I want that to be Jesus' view of us. I want the Father to be able to look at us and go, yeah, they're doing it. They are experiencing unity through me. That the Holy Spirit is doing his work and they're allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work in them. Understand and value our Holy Spirit connectedness. If we are going to engage in difficult conversations, we have to start with an understanding that we are connected spiritually. And if we understand that, that is part of the foundation that will begin to give us a right attitude as we venture into choppy water. Verse 6 says this, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, at one level, I do want to say very clearly that I don't want you to give yourself the excuse to not do any of these because you say, well, I'm not a a glad person, so I don't have to be kind to others. No, this is not, (laughs) this isn't a, a list to say, I get to pick and choose which one. No, no, no. These are gifts the Holy Spirit gives out. But this is something that the body as a whole ought to be infused with by how God has poured his Holy Spirit into you and how his Holy Spirit's presence in you manifests into some of these giftednesses, if you will. That, man, if if God has given me the gift of generosity, I'm going to look actively for ways to give. And if you think that God hasn't given you the gift of generosity, that is not permission to not be generous. It's... An instruction then to say, man, I need to seek out somebody with the gift of generosity and begin to have conversations with them so I can begin to know what that looks like in my life. Maybe I don't have the gift of kindness. Maybe I wake up every day and I'm a big jerk. Okay, That doesn't mean that you don't have an instruction from God to develop kindness. And this wonderful truth is that we are blessed by the Holy Spirit, to have people that are different than us who are around us. And we can go to them in unity through the Holy Spirit and say, I need what God has given to you. Not selfishly, like, I see that you're kind, I'm going to steal your kindness. That's literally not how it works. But go to them and say, man, how, how is it that you are joyful in times right now where this world's nuts? How do you have joy? Well, I don't know, I'm just happy. That's not the answer. No, we, we need to begin to have those conversations about how to be the body before we can actually have conversations about difficult realities. And that's why God gives us time 
as a body of believers to come together. If you are not part of a small group, then you are not connected with the body of believers. If you cannot ever come to one of the, the worship nights or any of the other times that we are able to get together in discipleship, then i got to tell you, you are going to be starving in areas of weakness. And that is not God's design. He designed us to be together, and he has given us specific gifts so that we are drawn together. This is not so that people that have the same gift can all get together and be happy, joyful people together, and all the people over here that are generous just to get to be generous together, and all the people that are over there get to teach and teach together. No, that's not how it works. It is not a division so that there's more separation in the body of Christ. It is giftedness so that all of us can be blessed by the gifting that God has poured into each one of us. Amen. Yes. And we got to practice it. It's not easy. It is not something that is natural to humanity with sin. It's not. And if we actually do this, we will look very differently than the world looks. So step three is this. Discover God's purpose for you. And I'm not just saying go take a spiritual gifts test. That There, there might be some value in that. I think many of them happen to uh, be misunderstood even by the person taking it, and so the answers tend to be a little strange. I, I want you to understand this. Never in my life prior to submitting myself fully to Jesus Christ did I ever play an instrument or, or preach God's word. I didn't. These are things that have literally come after God doing something in me. Now, I did have to learn how to play an instrument. I did have to study God's word, but I was never a preacher. I was never someone that led anybody else in literally anything. <laughs> and so leadership and worship and teaching are things that have come as a result of God's gifting in me. Not, not that I can take credit for those things. They're not. Though I do have responsibility to develop those things. And so I'm not, I, I don't want you to take a spiritual gifts inventory and say, oh, these are the things I'm good at, so these must be my spiritual gifts. No, those are skills. What's God speaking to you? What is he prophesying over you even? That maybe you just go, whoa, no, that's not me. God, you, you've called the wrong guy for that. That, by the way, is literally what I said to God when he called me into ministry because my brother was sitting next to me and I thought for sure he should have been talking to Dan. And God said, no, 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 it's you. So I don't know what he is saying to you. But man, I want you to start listening because he has a specific purpose for every single one of us. It is amazing to me the different giftednesses that have come out now that we're all kind of in different locations more often and separated from each other. There's an individual on Facebook that is so connected to the news, I have literally like stopped having to chase stuff down and I just go on this young lady's uh, page and I'm like, man, she is watching a spectrum of things and posting those and it's helpful. And I don't have time to do a lot of those things, but man, the giftedness that has been poured into this young lady is something that has been a blessing to me. So, wow, that's, that's great. What is God's purpose for you? I, I'm, I'm not with you right now. I am not 
the one that in this specific way is gifted with prophecy. You know what? There are those that God wants to speak through into your life. Are you willing to listen? Do you know that God has given them that gift and that maybe you ought to pay attention? Don't just pretend. This is verse 9. I can really stop there for a little bit. Don't just pretend. Don't just pretend to be a Christian. Don't just pretend to love people. But that's what it says. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Weak hard. Weak hard. That's not what the, it says. It says, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Man. Oh, it's so good. This, that, right? This, this is almost so hard for so many people right now because you've been told you have to stay home from work. So what do we do? Now, many of you, I know, especially in this church, I mean, we have so many law enforcement, so many Air Force, so many people that are in jobs that are like, no, we absolutely need you to keep doing your thing. Um, so many of you are in that that you're like, I haven't experienced any of the like sit-at-home reality, but many of you also have. And how do we do this thing when there's limitations on, okay, this world has gone nuts, I can't go to work. What do I do? I don't want to be lazy. Scripture told me to not be lazy. What do I do? But work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. If you have had more time at home than you've had before, have you been asking God, Lord, give me your imagination on how I can serve you and the people that you put in my path because I have more time right now? Or are you just sitting back and just going, Man, I've been waiting for this for a long time so I could sit on the couch and binge watch all of the internet until it's end. That's not what God wants of us. And it's also true that he doesn't just want us to work hard at our job. Yes, as Christians, we are to work hard and be an example that we are not just working for the person that we work for. We are working as if we are working for Jesus Christ in whatever we do. And so the way I perform my duties at work are not just as if Jesus Christ were watching me and waiting for me to mess up like, mm, you're not working hard. That's not how Jesus is. <laughs> how I see him more accurately is this, that he is working at the same place you're working at. Work with him. Join him in what he is doing in the lives of the people that he has surrounded you with. Do you think that God hasn't placed you there on purpose? I think he has. And so while you're at work, work diligently at the job and the tasks that are assigned to you, absolutely. But join Jesus in the work that he wants to do there too. When you see somebody that is hurting in life and they come to work and they're still trying to do their best and you don't want to get into their space or into their issues because you say not my monkeys not my circus god might be saying you know what i am the ringleader of that circus as well and i need you to join me in the work with this person because i have a plan for them just like i have a plan for you 
and I love them just like I love you, and I died for them just like I died for you. So get off your rear end spiritually and join me in the work that I'm doing in their life. Get busy on purpose. What does that mean? It's a strange statement, but if the number three was discover God's purpose for you, then be busy about the purpose that he has given you. How do, how do we do that if we don't know what our purpose is? How do we know what our purpose is if we haven't asked God, if we haven't submitted ourselves to the Holy Spirit and said, God, I am 100% yours. If there's crud in me that needs to be removed, point it out, and God, you do the work of forgiveness. I can't forgive without your forgiveness first. I can't just try to do better. No, God, I need to be transformed. I need to take off the old life and put on the new life that you have given me. And God, as you're doing that, you, you show me more and more specifically what your purpose for me as part of your body is. And we are then to get busy on that purpose. Get after accomplishing what God has called you to. So many that I've had conversations with I happen to sit on this thing called the DBMD, and you really need to remember this. This is important. It's called the District Board of Ministerial Development. There will be a test on that later. But we walk people through the process. When they feel called by God into ministry for the church, not just personal ministry in the world, but to called into leadership within the church, and they, they believe that God has put a call in their life, either to pastoral ministry or something like that, we walk them through a process, one, to help them discern what that looks like and clarify if that's what God has called them to or not. But it bothers me so greatly when I hear someone say, I believe God's called me into ministry. And when I ask this question, if their answer isn't, I've gotten busy, it ticks me off. My question is this, okay, so what are you doing about that? If God's called you into ministry, how are you right now making steps to prepare to answer that call? If God has given you a purpose, what are you doing about accomplishing that purpose? Because whether you're called into ministry in the church or just ministry to people in the church or to people in the community, every Christian has a purpose that God has put on them. If we don't know what that is, well, let's get busy finding out. If we do know what that is and we are not busy accomplishing it, hmm... Never be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Get after it. Again, this is all building the foundation from which I can have conversations that are difficult. And if I don't know these things, then maybe I ought to just be quiet for a little bit. It is amazing to me how many times Paul gives instructions to different people to just be quiet. How often Jesus is like, hey, if you're young, like chill for a little bit, learn some more, speak later when you know something. Crazy idea. We've lost that in our culture. We worship youth instead of wisdom. And so we think that everybody has something valuable to add, which is not true. Not all the time. I have never once asked my dog what he thinks about where we should go as a church. You know what he would do? drool. He has nothing to add to this conversation. Now, I'm not saying you're a dog. I'm not saying anybody else is, but I'm saying there are times that we are to get busy learning from God. 
before we open our mouth about something. And if we're going to have conversations that glorify God in a, an environment where everywhere we can step seems like a landmine, then we have to have wisdom on how to move forward. And that wisdom only comes from God and his word. So we need to get busy on purpose. So if we do these things, what is the result? Here's the result. We move from slavery to self to service of God and others. What do I, how, how can we turn that around a little bit? Maybe, I, maybe that didn't make sense. I'm going to say it one more time. If we do these four things, choose humility, understand and value our Holy Spirit uh, connectedness, and then discover God's purpose for us, and then also get busy on that purpose. If we do those four things, what does that accomplish? What is the result of that in our lives? It's this. We move from slavery to self to service of God and others crazy that, you know, as we've been going over the last few weeks, we've been going through removing barriers, loving God and people, and serving and giving together. And Selena put a piece out this week on serving and giving. And as we've gone through that, man, there's, those are not specifically in order, but man, they do build on each other. But if, if God has removed a barrier in my life and I've come closer to him, now I have the ability to love him and love others in a different way. But if barriers haven't been removed in my life, how can I love others? How can I love God? If the barrier of sin is still present, I can't love God. Not the way he loves. I might have an idea of it, but I have no true understanding because I, I have not experienced his forgiveness. And so removing barriers is really first and then loving God and people. And if I can love God and people, then I can know how to serve and give with the other parts of the body of believers that makes it truly effective and we move from slavery to self which i don't know if as you have watched everything that's been happening around the world but it just seems like there's a lot of slavery to self that is motivating actions responses further actions further responses seem a lot like slavery to self responses instead of removing barriers loving god and people and serving and giving together Instead of having a posture of humility and understanding and valuing our Holy Spirit connectedness, man, the church needs to be better at doing these things specifically so that our responses are categorically different than the world's responses that escalate all the tension, that escalate all, but truly bring unity. We have to become practitioners of God's word and allow him to transform us as we connect with each other so that then we have a platform from which to have these difficult conversations with people that need the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When we do these four things, we move from slavery to self to service of God and others. That is the only way that the following passages can even remotely be accomplished because nothing of what I'm about to read is capable for a human to accomplish on a regular basis. It's impossible for these things to be done by those who are not living in submission to the Holy Spirit and to the body of believers. This is impossible as a church. This is an impossibility as a Christian if I am not living out these things in my relationship with God, and the people that he has placed me into a body of believers with. 
says this in verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. That is an impossibility for somebody who is not motivated by the Holy Spirit. Who is not bound to other believers. Rejoice. What is our confident hope? Our confident hope is in the promises that Jesus Christ has made. In the fact that he died for our sin and that our forgiveness is guaranteed by him at judgment. That's my confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I don't know if you've even had a thought about this, but what if the bighorn fire keeps moving and comes down the hill into Tucson and displaces half of Tucson? What's our Christian response? Is it that, well, I can't open my home in hospitality because there's this thing called the coronavirus. And so I can't take in somebody that might be displaced in that event. Is that even remotely the right attitude for a Christian to carry? Now, that's a complete hypothetical that hasn't quite happened yet for us. And that's why it's an easy one for us to look at and say, man, that would be an interesting decision to have to make. But Scripture tells me I'm to practice hospitality. How do I do that when I'm afraid to open my home because I also have a responsibility to take care of my family, to be the provider and protector of my children? How, God, how do I do this? You know what you need in order to answer that question? Oh, yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. Because that's a difficult thing to process through, that I have these responsibilities and these responsibilities, and I'm responsible for both, but it seems like they may be in opposition. So God, I need your wisdom. I need to talk with people that might be doing it better than I am. Bless those who persecute you. One more time. Bless those who persecute you. An absolute impossibility if not motivated by the Holy Spirit. If not filled with God's love, it's impossible. Do you remember what Jesus said to God about the men who had pinned him to the cross? God forgive them, they don't know what they've done. He gave a blessing of forgiveness to those who had literally pierced him, nailed him, to a cross. And if you think as a Christian that we're under persecution right now, pull your head out. Maybe there's a little bit. But bottom line, you haven't been put in jail yet. So we may have some fabricated, I feel like there's persecution out there, but you know what? Our response has to be blessing on those who curse us. Why? Because scripture just said it. I didn't make it up. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I praise God that there were people that knew him well enough that when I was still in rebellion to him, they prayed for my blessing. 
God, please bless that little punk. I'm probably pretty sure how that was how the prayer went. Because I was. I was a punk. I was out of line with so many things. But I know my parents prayed when I was a punk to them. I know I had youth pastors that I was a massive punk to. That prayed for my relationship with God. Are we willing to engage with those who disagree with us, who we might even say they would persecute us and say, you know what? I'm praying that God would bless you. And not just say it, but do it. And it, it, it still bothers me. It's, it's a, a bad habit to get into to say, oh, I'll be praying for you. That might be a nice thing to say, but if you didn't actually put it in your calendar to pray for them later, you will probably forget. So why not just say, you know what? Let's pray about it now. <laughs> Let's do that right now. And Holy Spirit, put this person on my heart multiple times this week so I remember to keep praying for them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. <laughs> We're about to get invaded by dogs. Sorry. Again, these are impossibilities if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. <laughs> I mean, this passage, my word. These are impossible things if we're functioning just on our own motivations. But if we have gone through this process of choosing humility, understanding and valuing our Holy Spirit connectedness and discovering God's purpose for me and then getting busy about that purpose, if I'm doing those things, I am released from slavery to protecting me and providing for me. I, I find all of my confidence only in God. And when that happens, I am freed from having to, to defend myself. And now I can actually do these things. When someone is happy, I can be happy with them. And when somebody is mourning and hurting, even if I don't understand it, I can be connected to them by the Holy Spirit and have a response that says, you know what? I can join you in mourning this loss, even though I may not understand it fully. I don't even have to defend that I wasn't responsible for that loss. So I don't have to mourn with you. No, that's garbage. No, you, you have suffered loss. I feel that hurt with you. And I want to do something. I can't fix stuff. But if all I can do is join you in mourning, then I have come closer to you. And when I come close to you, if I have the Holy Spirit, I am bringing the Holy Spirit into your life. What more could I possibly do? Bringing a casserole counts zero <laughs> compared to bringing the Holy Spirit. And I can't do that if I do not mourn with those who mourn or rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. 
Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen. Mm. God's words. So good. So good, right? Yes. Man. What does this sound like? This last set of passages. To me, it sounds like removing barriers, loving God and people, and serving and giving together. Those things can't happen just because it's a nice thing that Eva says every single Sunday morning. <laughs> and she's nailing it, by the way. But that happens when we turn our life over to Jesus Christ and allow him to do things in us that no one else, I can't do it on my own. But when I have submitted myself to the Holy Spirit, these become not just things I have as goals, but actual motivations that, man, I want to remove barriers in the lives of people that may be keeping them far from God. Maybe there's still barriers in me that need to be removed. I'm going to close with this. Do not let culture be your cult. What do I mean by that? I mean this. The form of worship in the cult of culture is fear and isolation and offense and anger. If you disagree with me, I would ask you to measure. If you have any experience in connecting with God, what are your reactions to being in the presence of God? Is fear... And I'm not talking about the righteous kind of biblical fear that we are instructed to, but fear like, oh no, I'm afraid and I have anxiety. That's never in my heart and in my life when I am in the presence of God. An act of worship is laying fear aside. And saying, God, I, I love you. You have shown your love for me in so many ways I can't even count them. And in your presence, I know peace. Don't let culture, the things that are happening around, and it, it's amazing to me. I wish, man, I wish that as Christians, we would do as much in our worship and teaching each other to worship God. And I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about being living sacrifices for God. And I don't, I don't want to use shame in that way, but encouragement in that way. I don't know if you've been to the store or if you've done something online and somebody shames you for not wearing a mask or something like that. Like, that is cultural worship right now. It's a good thing. It's an honorable thing. It's a, it's a venerated thing to shame others for not being as afraid as you are. It's worship of this cult of culture to live in fear and isolation and offense and anger. These things are not what God designed us for. No, 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 no. Fear builds barriers. Isolation destroys relationship. Anger is the excuse to homogenize along divisive lines. If we have become children of God, we are now siblings, not just with Christ, but with each, others, with each other. And if these steps precede every conversation we have, I truly believe we will begin to master Jesus' way of being capable of navigating the minefield that is our culture today. We will. I'll give it to you. This truth in God's word today has got to be our foundation for every conversation. And if it's not, keep your mouth shut. 
or just know that you're bringing destruction into a world that's already destructive. We are called to be salt and light, preservers and revealers of God's will and forgiveness and redemption and transformation. That's our call. That's what God has put on us. We are to repossess Tucson and all of southern Arizona with the love of Jesus Christ, being salt and light. And so if you want to engage in conversations that are not bringing God's redemption, that's up to you. I'm not the police. I'm not the Holy Spirit's like little go-getter to make sure that you're doing things right. That is, that's not my job. Man, we have an opportunity to love the way God loves and remove barriers and serve and give together and love God and people. This is, we, we have to not just say it but begin to practice it, but, but, but starting by saying it so that it gets into our heads and starts transforming how we think so that it transforms how we act. God has given us a purpose. Let's get busy on purpose. I'm going to give this to you, Ev, if you want to put that in there. But, uh, so good. Um, that was so good. Let's have the worship team come on up, and uh, we're going to pray. As they're coming in, we're going to pray, guys. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, there is so much there. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take what has been read and said this morning and write it on our hearts. Lord, help us this week to not just walk away from Sunday morning or even the worship night tonight and then just go back to work. God, I pray that you would continue this work in us, that we would not just expect you to do everything, but God, we would make time for you every single day this week and say, Lord, you are everything to me. And I will go into every portion of this day as a disciple of yours, somebody who has learned how to love from you so that I can love the people around me, that I can give blessings to my enemies, that when someone curses me, I give back to them blessing after blessing, and I pray that, Lord, you will pour out the storehouses of heaven on their lives so that they will be led to you because of how and who you are. God, we love you and we thank you for today. God, if there's anything in us that is out of line with your word today, convict us on that. Don't let us just kind of pass it by or explain it off in some way that lets us stay the same way and not be transformed by your word and by your action in our lives. Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you completely. And we look for ways this week where we need to learn. If there's things that we don't yet know, then Lord, give us silent lips. If there's something that we know that is a blessing and an honor to you, and God, let us speak that joyfully into the lives of the people that are around us that are dying without you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.